Hi, thanks for listening again today to Purpose Driven Mommy with a Coffee by Michelle De Silva. And today I want to talk about uh, the book of Luke. That's where we are in our Bible study challenge. And remember reading the story of the three little pigs and learning that the materials you're building your home out of is really what matters. It's very important to the structure. This hits home with me because I'm now building a life with my family and what I build it out of matters greatly as it does for you. When the wind of life or the breath of the big bad wolf or the enemy comes seeking to knock your house down or destroy your family or your life, what your life is built on is really, really going to matter. So read with me Luke chapter 6 verses 46 through 49. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Hint, Uh, Jesus, he's our rock and our foundation upon which it is good for our house and our life to be built on. And when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. It is important for our foundation, our house, our life to be built upon the strong foundation of Jesus. But what's more, when I read this passage, it seems to be saying to fully live out what Jesus is calling us to do. You see, we can't just believe in his words as truth. We must also act on them. That's creating a firm foundation of faith in our life and setting a firm example of faith on which others could start to build their belief and then begin to build their own foundation as well. This is vitally important. If you have a family and children that you want to start out um, and live their life on a firm foundation, this is important for them as well, that they see that example in you and learn it in their life as well. We can't just hear the word and believe. We must act on that belief. Let me read this passage again if you don't believe me. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the the destruction of that house was great. So now it occurs to me while reading Luke 3, 4 through 6, that while the Lord prepares the way ahead of us to do his good work as we act on his commands, we are also to prepare the way for his arrival, his second coming, as John the Baptist did as he prepared the way for his first arrival, for Jesus' first arrival. We are to be a voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord, to tell people And to let them know he is coming and that in that time every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of the Lord. John the Baptist says this to the people in verse 8, Therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance. Because in verse 9, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And nobody wants that, right? So you may ask, 
as did the crowd listening to John, what then should we do? And he says this, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. He didn't tell the tax collectors not to be tax collectors anymore, or soldiers not to be soldiers anymore. He just told people in verses um, 13 and 14 not to take any more than was due to them, to be honest and not to take from people. And he told the soldiers not to falsely accuse and not take money from anyone by force, but to be satisfied with their wages. So essentially to do your job as an honest person. That's what he told them. So some people will be called to be a light and to be the salt of the earth and to do their job right where they are, but just to do it as unto the Lord, to set a better example, to do it as if led by Jesus. That's what disciples or followers of Jesus do. Then in verse 18, um, he, John the Baptist, along with many other exhortations, which if you're wondering means he addressed and communicated emphatically, urging people to do something, uh, in his case, probably repent for the kingdom of God is near. He proclaimed the good news to the people. That's the other part of what he did. He told people to repent. He told them to be honest and to live and do things as unto the Lord. And he proclaimed the good news to the people, right? And so that's what we are to do too, is to proclaim the good news and to prepare the way for Jesus and his second coming. And, uh, in Luke 4, we learn if we have the authority given by Jesus, the authority that he gives to his disciples, we can do as Jesus said he could do by his power and authority working in us. Like it was written in verse 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And uh, later in chapter 4 of Luke, Simon's mother-in-law was healed in verse 39. But then look at what it says next. She got up immediately and began to serve. That happens over and over in the Bible as Jesus does his work, as people are set free, people are healed, people are called, and they immediately follow and serve, speaking the good news of what Jesus has done for them. This should be your response if you are truly saved by Jesus and love him in your heart. If you've had a true heart and life transformation, you don't need to be a Bible scholar in the beginning to just share what God has done for you and to let people know he can do the same or similar things for them. And in verse thir uh, 43 um, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus explains to the people his purpose for being here on earth. Part of his purpose anyway, he says, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also because I was sent for this purpose. What purpose are you sent for? If we are to be like Jesus, then we are all sent for a purpose. And the biggest part of that is to share the good news of God and his kingdom as well. Is it not? We're to be like Jesus. We're to do as he did. We are to be his ambassadors here on earth. So then in chapter five, in Luke chapter five, Jesus called his first disciples. And again, you know, we've talked about this in Matthew and Mark as well, but we are to be fishers of men and to go forth making disciples as Jesus did, saving, equipping, and sending out people to make more disciples. And then in Luke five verses 27 through 32, Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector to follow him. And again, he says to the Pharisees that question his eating with sinners and tax collectors. Um, 
and this is in verses 31 and 32, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Are you in the world or are you only in maybe home or in church? You should be loving on all people and be in the world, but not of the world, sharing the good news of Jesus. And you can't do that unless you go out to wherever he sends you. And I'm not saying you have to work in the community. That's not what this is all about. But we are to bear fruit and to do things in this world for other people to make a difference. And in Luke 6, a tree and its fruit in verses 43 through 45, it says a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And this is talking about producing good fruit versus producing evil fruit or bad fruit and, uh, you know, wanting to produce life giving fruit. And this is something that really gets me because I have a gift to use my words for good. And I believe, I truly believe that, but I'm also equally as talented and gifted when I want to be at using my gift, using my mouth, to say bad things and out of the evil of my heart, out of anger or out of whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I can produce bad fruit. But I want to only produce good and life-giving fruit out of the mouth and the gift that I have been given. And this is especially true in my home. And I've spoken about that when I talk about, you know, that's kind of part of what I want to do by filling my life and my mind more with the word of God. I want to speak those things speak life into situations, into circumstances, into my family, into things that are happening and, and not speak those bad things and that bad fruit into our lives. And I want you to know that many women were also supporting the ministry of Jesus because I think sometimes as wives and mothers in the church, we think that being a wife and mother and playing those roles is the only thing life can be about for us. And I just don't think that's the case. And, you know, I've always felt as as I've become a wife and a mother that I just, I'm not quite like everyone else, you know? I feel a little too different. I'm not one of those Stepford, like Christian wives. And I'm not one of those like plastic people and the, under, under the plastic steeple as Casting Crowns would say. And, uh, you know, of course, those roles that we play as wife and mother are some of the most important roles that we will ever play. But regardless of whether you are a mom or a wife currently, you you also have a calling and a purpose to live out, something to do that is for God and his greater purpose for the world. And you can do it as only you can. No one else has your story and can impact the same people in the same way, in the same place or time as you. Esther was told in the Old Testament that perhaps she was there for such a time as that, that she was the only one possibly that could save her people because of her influence on the king and her position. And I want to read to you in Luke chapter 8 verses um, 1 through 3. It says, Afterward, and this is talking about Jesus, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, so a wife, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Again, I will say many women were supporting the ministry of Christ and following him as well as men. 
And in this book of Luke chapter 8, we see this fact purposely shared. If for no other reason than for us to know that it isn't just men that do the work of the ministry of God in the world. Now I want to share about someone else, about Deborah in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. And she is one of my favorite women in the Bible. She was a wife, but she was also a prophet and a judge who was leading Israel at that time, giving them her wisdom and settling disputes. And it says here, she gave her wisdom and guidance from God to the leader of the Israelite army. In Judges 4, 6, we read, she sent for Barak and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. She was such a trusted woman of God who listened to, to God's wisdom and shared it with her people that the leader of the army would trust his life and the lives of his men to her and to God, essentially. But, um, you know, he, he would do what she said. But what would they have done if she was not faithful to do and be what God had called her to? They would not have heard from the Lord and they may not have had victory as it was led by God himself because the leader of the army he did do just as Deborah commanded, and she even went with him to prove that she believed wholeheartedly in taking this action. She got up off the couch, off the bench, out of the pew, right? Um, but what would have happened if she had just stayed home doing the laundry instead? And now, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about, you know, about anything or anyone. I do lots of laundry for my family, and it is essential. So I'm not saying doing the laundry you know, that is not important or that there's anything wrong with that, uh, you know, it needs to get done and we all should do everything as unto the Lord. I'm just saying that the laundry is not all there is for you. There may be something even greater for you to do. In the movie Iron Man, the main character who plays Iron Man, Tony, Tony Stark, thanks a man for saving his life. And what he says is this, don't waste it. Do something with it. And I believe that is what God is saying to each of us. We have great power and authority from God to do his work. But like we learn in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, right? We have something to do. We have a responsibility to other people and to God because of the gift that he's given us and because of the gift of life that we have because we're here. Now, I know we all as wives and mothers want to learn all we can from Proverbs 31. That's probably the most famous part of the Bible for women. So, you know, also think, I also think you should, you know, read and dwell on this part of Proverbs 31. Not only does it end by saying fear of the Lord shall cause people to praise her, but it says many things that indicate the Proverbs 31 woman um, is out in the community, that she's doing things to make a difference in the world, and she's not just working within her home or within the church. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies merchants with sashes. So she is industrious. She does things or sells things for people outside of her home in the community. She helps the poor and extends her arms to the needy. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So she is fearing the Lord again because that is the beginning of wisdom. But also she must be praying and reading her Bible and seeking God's wisdom for her family in order to 
to help guide and give wisdom to her husband. So we should do that if we want to be a Proverbs 31 wife, right? And at the very end, it says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So she must go out to the city gate and be a part of the outer community. She must do God's work. She does things that are worthy of praise. And of course, we know that all glory and honor and praise is due to God the Father. But still, why would others praise her if not for her contributions to their lives? This is not just her family or the church, but people outside of that that she is affecting. So please think on these things that I tell you. Pray about it. Again, I am not necessarily telling you to work outside the home, but going outside the home to do things for your family and for others as a part of the greater community, to be the salt and the light and to be the change and to be a disciple is what we are called to do. And of course, we read in the Bible that we are all a part of the body of Christ and we all have a part to play um, in the church as well. It does not say this only to men, but to all people. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says this, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Let me read that again. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you, not just men, is a part of it, right? We are all called to produce fruit, to sow a seed of hope with others. I know this because in Luke 8, 8, after Jesus gave the parable of the sower, which I've already shared with you in previous podcasts, he also, he says this, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Anyone. He is calling out and teaching everyone to be a follower of his, a disciple and a fisher of men, a farmer and sower of seeds that would, as it says in Luke 8, 8, fall on good ground, grow up, and produce more good fruit a hundred times more than what was sown even. That's what we're all to do. And in Luke chapter 9, Jesus commissions the 12 disciples, giving them power and authority like he gives to each one of us to do his good work, to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And in chapter 9, verse 23 through 27, it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. And then we go forward to Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out 72 others ahead of him in pairs. And he told them um, in verses 2 through 9, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. And then we see later that when the 72 return after the Lord Jesus has sent them out, they returned with joy. So they went out ahead of the Lord, like I talked about we all should do, like John the Baptist, right? But then they came back with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Like they're happy doing his good work. And he said to them, look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. He gives us power and authority to do his good work in this world and to shine light in the darkness and to have power over the enemy. How many of you have seen the enemy at work in this world? How many of you would like to do something about that? And how many of you have done something about that? However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We're always to have joy and be thankful that we have that, that we have God as our Savior, that we are going to heaven one day, and that is the goal that we work toward every single day. We are to be like the Good Samaritan and uphold the greatest of the commandments also. Um, that is to 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. But also to love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, and this is how. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, we learn how to be a good neighbor and uphold the second of the greatest commandments, to love thy neighbor. In Luke 10, verses thir- 25 through 37, Jesus told a man at the end... <laughs> Sorry. It says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and this is important because Samaritans were not seen as the highest class of people. They were kind of like untouchables. at that time period but a samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man he had compassion he went over to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on olive oil and wine then he put him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said take care of him when i come back i'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the one who, it was the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. So be like a Samaritan. Be like a good Samaritan. That is what we are to do. We're to be like a good Samaritan. And, you know, it's not about being a priest, right? Like, because the priest wasn't a good neighbor, right? in that story. It's not about anything like that, but it is about being a good Samaritan to other people and showing compassion and helping where we can and sharing the love of Christ. Those things are the most important and what God asks us to do as his disciples, as well as sharing the good news and making disciples. So then, you know, we went on in our Bible reading to read Luke 12, which says, fear God. And then also acknowledge Christ in all things, all places, with all people. Don't worry about what to say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. So trust in the Lord. And I've already shared, you know, about my experiences of when I used to do mission work and ministry in schools and how I would always ask the Lord to speak through me. And he would, you know, I had something prepared, but also the Lord would speak to my heart and speak through me things that I couldn't have even come up with on my own. And so he will do the same for you as you trust in him and ask him to, to help you to do that. And it says also in chapter 12 in Luke, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. So sometimes things that we're going to do as disciples and as followers of Christ aren't going to look like the most profitable for us right we're not working for all the treasure you know to build our kingdom on earth but to build up treasures in heaven and uh, 
you know, and through that, you know, I've heard lots of people say that if you don't have any money and you're not blessed in that way that, you know, you must not really have God because God would not make you live like that. And I just don't believe that that is the case. Because, you know, when you're working toward all of that, you know, it says also in chapter 12 in Luke, it says, don't worry or be anxious about anything, food and drink or clothes or anything that you need because God knows what your need is and he'll provide it for you when you need it. But verse 31 says, seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. So the Lord will provide for you what you need when you need it. But it doesn't say that he's going to make you rich or he's going to give you everything that you want if you just, you know, and it says in verse 34, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if all your treasures are here on earth and they're not in heaven, that's where your heart truly lies. And God knows that. Okay. So we want to be people living with a firm foundation that is built on the word of God. And, and we want to do that because we want to be ready for Christ's return. There will be rewards and punishment for his servants. That's what it says in Luke 12, verses 35 through 48. So repent. That's what it says in chapter 13 in Luke. And that's what, of course, John the Baptist was saying to everyone. So that's what we should say to everyone as we're preparing the way for, for the Lord's second return, right? And then in verses 24 through 25 in chapter 13 in Luke, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. So the time is near. Like the time will be over when we can even save ourselves or save others, right? So we need to act now to enter through the narrow door to do what God has called us to do and to save souls. The time is short and we need, you know, many will try to go on the wide road and do what everybody else does. But it says here, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Do what God has called you to do in a different kind of way. And that's how you will enter into the kingdom of God. And it says in verse 35, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, you know, we see a lot of warnings in Luke. You know, in chapter 14, verse 27, it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So you have to come after Jesus. You have to live as he lived. You have to pick up your own cross and go forward. And something else that we learn, learn about um, many times over in these first um, gospels in the New Testament is about going after the lost sheep. And it says in Luke 15 to go after the one. You don't have to go after everyone. And I want to talk about what I've learned from a church called One and All Church now, but it's a big church in Southern California that I used to go to. And they talk about, you know, choosing one person that you're going after, you're praying for, that you're loving on, that you want to see changed and transformed for the kingdom of God. Go after that one person. It doesn't have to be everyone at once, right? But you, you should always have one person that you're working on. Go after the one. You don't have to go after everyone, but choose at least one. And the parable of the lost sheep is in verses uh, 1 through 7 in chapter 15. And it says, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. So when you come back to the Lord, when you commit your life to the Lord, when, when you 
um, pour into the life of another person who then commits their life to the Lord, that one person, there will be joy in heaven over that one person, over that lost sheep who was lost and who is now found. In Luke 15, 10, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. And then we read later in chapter 15, the parable of the lost son, right? In verses 11 through 24, the father and his people will celebrate at the return of one. This son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. How awesome is that? And I think about like when I was first saved, but then I also especially think about the times when I've repented and come back because it says that the Lord and the heavens and the angels and everyone in heaven rejoices over that one person who comes back, who repents. I want to also add that when we're doing God's work, we need to give glory to God. In Luke 17, out of 10 men that were healed of leprosy, only one came back to give glory and honor to God. That is just astounding to me. Um, but anyway, then, you know, we go on to say that we need to do the work of God in chapter 17. Do it now because in the end days, I tell you on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. That could be your husband. That could be your kids. That could be your best friend. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. This is so important. It's like if you have the cure to cancer or the cure to death itself, which we do indeed have, right? We have eternal life in Christ that we can give to other people in the good news, right? We have to share it. I mean, how selfish is it if we keep it only for ourselves, if we sit on the sidelines and we do nothing to share what people need in order to live the abundant life and to have eternal life, to have what you have. I mean, in chapter 18 in Luke, in verse 27, it says, Take heart because what is impossible with man is possible with God. You know, I believe that God showed me some things recently the future answers to my prayers, right? Hope for the future of my family and my ministry, things I can't even fathom at this point in time, like how it, it's going to happen. But things will happen that are beyond anything I could ever accomplish on my own. And it's all, I mean, it has to be God. There's no way I could do it on my own. So never forget that all of this that we do, that it's all possible because of God and that with him, all things are possible. Never give up. Never think, oh, I'm not good enough or I can't do it or he doesn't call me. He calls all of us and what seems impossible on our own is possible with God. I mean, Moses said, I don't know how I'm going to lead the people of, you know, my fellow people, the Israelites out of Egypt, right? Because I stutter and I am, you know, this guy who they don't believe in, right? They just think I'm a murderer because he did kind of murder somebody. But anyway, um, but the Lord used him and the, the Lord gave him, you know, he said, Aaron, your brother will help you, right? Because he can speak and share with the people as you cannot. So as we think that, you know, things are impossible, it's all possible with God. He has a plan and a purpose for us to use us, and we only just have to be willing. 
And it says in Luke chapter 19, Jesus saves Zacchaeus, a tax collector, and says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And we are to do the same, right? Isn't that what we're saying here so far? In the whole of the New Testament, in discipleship, we have come to seek and save the lost. So um, we also learn in chapter 19 of Luke to be faithful with what God has given us, right? Like he's given us good gifts. He's given us so many blessings, especially, I mean, come on. If you live in America, you probably have more than 90% of the rest of the world. So be faithful with what God gives you because if you are faithful with a, li with a little, he will give you more. If you are not faithful, even with that little, he will take it away. And that's what we read in Luke 19, verses 11 through 27. So it's so important that you just use what you have. And um, man, if we do not use what we have to bless and honor the Lord and to speak his name, even the rocks, the stones would cry out. That's what it says in Luke 19, right? Um, in verse 40, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. So this is evidence that God does not, he doesn't need us to speak up, right? To save the lost. He doesn't need us to praise him, to praise his name, to speak his name. He does not need us to accomplish his goodwill and to let people know who he is because even the stones would cry out if we don't do that. But it is for our sake that we praise and are used to see his good purposes come, right? To see heaven come down to earth. How glorious is it that we get to be a part of his good plans and to save our friends and family and to lead them into the promised land? How glorious is that? And again, we know that the time is short. We need to stand up and arise now. It says in Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 30 through 36, man, I am having trouble talking now, but it says, be watchful for the time of the Lord. It is coming. Are you ready? Are all your family and friends ready? If not, we still have a great work to do and the time is short for the kingdom of God is near. Amen. So this was kind of long, but I hope that you will jump in and arise and do your work as a disciple of Christ. Because as women, we are all called to do God's work just like anybody else. And we have a part to play that nobody else can play quite like us. We are the only ones that can affect our family the way that we do. We are the only ones that can affect our friends the way that we do. We are the only ones that can work in the church as we do as we can, as we, you know, using our unique story, gifts, talents, and abilities, we are the only ones quite like us. And we are here for such a time as this. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening again to Purpose Driven Mommy with a Coffee. I am, again, Michelle De Silva, and I hope you'll come back next week for more weekly womanly wisdom and join me. And, you know, I hope I, I encourage you, if you're still with me at this point in the Bible study, you'll know you've done more reading of your Bible probably in the last few weeks than you ever thought possible. But I just encourage you to keep going because now you know what is possible and how much wisdom and how much 
Like you will be blessed by doing this, right? Like God has blessed me so much in this time of reading and seeking him. And he's given me so much wisdom and he showed me answers to prayer and he's given me so much hope. And so I hope you're still with me. And I just, my challenge for you this week is just to keep going. Okay. And to, to really think about what I've told you today. What do you think your purpose is and who is your one person? Actually, that's my challenge for you. (laughs) Who is your one person that you want to take on as your, you know, that you want to share the Lord Jesus with? Your one person who you're going to pray for, share with, love on, and hopefully make an eternal difference in their life. Who is that one person? Write it down. Um, you know, start praying for them. Start praying for the Lord to pave the way, to give you opportunity to share with them. Tell them to give you words to say to them. Tell them to give you ways to love on them. Pick that one person and do it. Start doing it this week. Um, you know, of course, we're, we may or may not see the fruit of that in this week, obviously. But if you continue on, you continue doing that, you're doing something for the kingdom. You're going after that one lost sheep. And that's what it's really all about. Okay. So again, thank you for listening. Please be blessed this week.